In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. If you want to know what it looks like to rest, look no further than this parable of the wedding feast. And we're going to look at all of the parable so that God can work in us more of his gracious rest. First, God spares no expense. His feast, his party, his lavish giving of every good thing, he will show his people who is the king, who provides and who nourishes, who heals, who raises the dead. As Isaiah proclaims at this feast, God will swallow up death forever. At this feast, God will wipe away all tears from every face. At this feast, God will take away the reproach of his people. Rich food will be given. Well-aged wine will be poured. It is a feast for the ages, for the people of God. To finally rest and cease from all their work. A great wedding feast in the banquet hall of heaven, and you are invited. Everyone's invited to this feast, which will have no end. The party will go on, not only all night, but for all eternity. Tell those who are invited, tell them, the king says, that I have prepared the feast. Everything is now ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They went about their own lives, one to his farm, another to his business. Why? Why would one rather return to their farm than attend the greatest feast of all time thrown by God himself? We might be tempted to think, I don't know, that's pretty sad how so many people today do not care about the Lord and put him first. We might be tempted to think of the good old days where people weren't so caught up in the go-go-go of society and made time for the Lord. But that way of thinking would not get us any closer to the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it would only push us farther away from the real problem that lies at the heart of why one would rather return to their farm rather than go to the feast of the king. To answer the why, we'd have to take a closer look at the farm. Every one of you have a farm. You have a piece of land, property, with various levels of responsibility. You have bills to be paid, lives entrusted to your care. And your farm is a busy one, active, always changing, on you demanding your constant adjusting and draining of your precious resources. You wake up each day on your farm and you do not know how it all will get done, but you try to cram 25 hours into a 24-hour day just to keep up, but that's not even enough. I recently spoke with my sister, some of you have, have, the, have had the pleasure of meeting her. She's a teacher, and she's teaching in the midst of COVID-19. Her farm and the farms of all of our teachers across our country are full. And if that wasn't enough on its own, because I cannot even imagine, She's also planning a wedding this November, planning a wedding in the midst of a pandemic. I would say her farm is very full and busy. So is yours. 
no one knows exactly what goes on your farm, goes on at your farm like you do. You're the only one who does. You know your chickens. You're the one who wrestles day and night with your children, who prance and peck around rather foolishly at times, who must be constantly prayed for, cared for, and shown what is right and what is wrong. You're the one who rises while it is yet night and provides for your household. You're the one who puts the hands to the spindle or the wheel or the hammer or the keyboard, the computer, or the pencil, and who looks wells to the ways of their household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And you do all of this and so much more, though your child or your spouse call you blessed or praises you. On the contrary, you're greeted with sneers, tears, sleepless nights filled with worry because that's life on the farm. And that farm of yours, well, it is so much more than just those things not the least of which are the very lives that depend on you, children, or livestock, or both. You have to constantly ward off depression, anxiety, loneliness, foolishness. You must keep your children on the straight and narrow. They must be full, they must be happy, they must be growing, they must be fed, and you must be perfect, healthy, never skipping a beat, on top of your game. There's no time for breaking down on the farm. There's no time for a misstep. People's lives depend on you. The farm doesn't stop. The to-do lists are always increasing. The work never ends. There is always more to do. So when someone comes up to you and says, hey, I think you should rest, What's your response? I can't. I, I can't. I have, I have so much that still needs to get done. I can't. I just can't do that right now. Or in other words, they paid no attention. The parable of the wedding feast shows us what it looks like when one pays no attention to the rest that God graciously gives. We don't have to see it in the one who rejects the invitation to the feast and returns to their own farm. We see it simply by looking into the mirror. You fail to rest because your farm, it will never demand that you do, which is why God does. He commands you to rest for your own good. Remember the Sabbath day. Sabbath is Hebrew for rest. Remember to rest. You fail to rest because you think the lives entrusted to your care depend on you. That their life is actually in your insufficient and incapable hands. You fool yourself into thinking that if you rested, they wouldn't make it. They would perish. That's too heavy of a weight for you to bear the life of another? And so God throws you a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine, to remind you, to show you, even though it costs him everything, who is king. And that he is the one who holds life and death in his hands. And he will show you that he is the one who provides who nourishes, who heals, who gives and takes away, who will take care of you and all your farm, 
all your children, all their worries. He will never rest. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. For as the psalmist declares, be still and know that I am God. And the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. God's gracious invitation to the wedding feast is an invitation first and foremost to rest, to cease from the work on your farm and to rest in God's gracious giving. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast. He invites all, the good and the evil. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or the farms that you have broken, both bad and good. He gives the invitation to all, and the wedding hall, it is filled with guests because the king's feast will endure. It will go on. Even though many pay no attention and return to their farm, his wedding hall will be filled because it is his feast, and his rest will prevail. And at his feast, he gives everything that you need to rest. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be given to you. So the king calls after you again and again, relentlessly, never tired to call out for you today to rest in him and the king who lives to protect you and your farm from all harm and danger, who lives to deliver you and to save you, who lives to forgive your sin, to raise the dead, to provide, to do all which you are completely insufficient and unable to do, he will surely do for you. Look and see his tireless work for you in the cross of his beloved son, in his empty tomb, in the great wedding hall, in the drinking of wine, and the eating of flesh, and the great wedding feast that will have no end. But the parable doesn't end there. And we must consider the whole parable for God to continue working upon us his gracious rest. What happens next? The king came in to look at the guests at his feast, and he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Friend, he said, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man paid him no attention. He did not even speak a word. Why? Because like those previously invited and who returned to their farms, he also resists the rest and what the king gives, but only halfway. The king gives the feast. The king gives the food. The king gives the drink and the wedding garments. The king gives everything that there is, like a good nurse who never ceases to make sure her patient is well provided. So the king spares no expense to provide, to nourish, to cover, to heal his people. He gave the very blood of his own son. And the robes that have been made white in the blood of the lamb are given. Just as the blood of the lamb at the feast is given. Just as the tomb is overcome and eternal life is given. But this man, he does not want the things that are given. Why? Because he trusts in the farm. He trusts in his own works. He, just like you, 
naturally does not trust that which is too easy or without effort. He refuses to receive anything as a pure gift. He must have something to show for. It is the curse of constant demands of the farm, of the many good works which you have surely accomplished in your life. All of the providing and the caring and the raising, you have done them well and you have done them flawlessly. But all those works, they demand that you trust in them for God's good pleasure. The man is essentially saying, thanks for the invitation. I'm here at the wedding feast, but I'm going to hold on to my own clothes at least. I still have one thing that I can take responsibility for. One thing that I can work on to show you that I deserve, that I'm worthy to be here. But that is not how God's wedding feast is celebrated. And that is not how Christianity is lived. Christianity at its core, from beginning to end, operates solely by grace. The invitation to the feast, it's by grace. The journey to the hall, it's by grace. The faith which clings to Christ as your Savior, it is by grace. The wedding garments given to you in your baptism, it's by grace. The love of God and his mercy which endures forever for you, good or bad, broken down farm or well ran, it is all by grace. For we believe that we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not our own doing. It is the gift of God. Dear Saints of Trinity, I pray for you that you would rest in the Lord Jesus today. It is a Sabbath day. Remember it by keeping it holy. And the way in which you keep it holy is by resting in the gifts of God and all that he has done for you and in all that he will surely do for you. And what he gives you, what he says concerning you and his word with his power by his spirit, whether or not you are whole or broken, he reigns. Whether you are good or bad, he is your king. And he will provide for you. He will give to you and all who are on that farm of yours exactly what they need. So come to the wedding feast. Celebrate with him and rest. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.